And welcome to the UV Review Quickfire Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Creer, joined by my good friend, Tanner Heath. What's up, guys? We are back this week with our regularly scheduled 10 points that we will cover. Um, yeah, Andrew, kick us off. Let's go. Sick. Let's I'm get excited. After it. I'm excited. Let's get, let's get after it. Let's do this thing. Um, we are going to start off, of course, men's basketball. They've got Grand Canyon tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's going to basically determine the seeding of the of the conference tournament. Yep. Um, given if they beat, um, do they have CSUB after that? I think for their last yeah, game. Yeah, on senior night. Yeah, yeah on senior night. So um, they've got to beat Grand Canyon, and then they've got to beat them to get the second seed in the WAC tournament. Tanner, what do you think um, UVU's odds are going against the Lopes for the second time this year? Um, so the first time they played was the very first conference game of the year for both of them. Um, that was back in the first week of uh, January. So they uh, this is a matchup where, you know, it's it's unlike kind of other matchups during conference this year where, like, they played, like, a couple weeks later. It's been, like, a month and a half. Uh, like, two months now, actually, since they last saw each other. And I feel like UVU has been playing a lot better since then, and Grand Canyon's kind of been in the middle. Um, they haven't played terrible, but, I mean, they had, like, nobody's beaten New Mexico State. So, I mean, they didn't do it either. So... They're both really even teams, I feel like. And, um, I mean, I feel like if UVU is to have a really good chance to win um, the conference tournament, they need this two seed. So tomorrow's a big game for them. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think um, if there's any team that's in a similar tier to UVU, it's GCU. Um, One of the disadvantages I think UVU had going, they played at GCU, right? The very first, so you go, you go on the road, your first conference game of the year, you go to GCU for probably their home opener of the conference. Um, That place is always bumping. um, And so uh, the stands are always filled. It's a tough place to win. Um, That's a place that even occasionally New Mexico State will lose at. Um, So for UVU, I think they have good odds going into tomorrow. They really do need to focus on getting the second seed in the tournament because what you want to do is if you have to play New Mexico State, you might as well have to play them at the very last game of the tournament. Not only that, that gives UVU better odds that maybe New Mexico State drops a game in the tournament to somebody like GCU. Mm -hmm. And so then you end up playing the conference championship game against somebody that's not the team that's beat you twice this year, and then you can potentially get into the tournament. So it'll just be interesting to see what they're able to pull off um, after the regular season's all said and done. Yeah, and another thing to point out, too, is that, you know, UVU wasn't projected to uh, have as good of a season they did last year where they won a school record 23 games, and now they've won over 20 games, which is the first time they've ever done that in school history to have back-to-back seasons of 20 wins or more. Um, And so they're doing great things, and that would just, you know, that'd be the cherry on top if they got to the NCAA tournament. And even just getting to the conference conference championship game, which I, I don't think they've been in the conference championship before. Um, I can't remember. If yeah, I know they've not. been to a semifinal mm-hmm. I think a couple years ago, but uh, other than that, you know, they're they're doing great things now, and mm-hmm. um, tomorrow will be a really big home game for them. Yeah, and one of the important things that UVU's done as of late is they haven't dropped um, these later season games that they dropped last year. Um, around this time of the year last year, they beat New Mexico State, but then they dropped two to three games following that. Um, they do have the two losses to New Mexico State, but besides them, they've played pretty consistently. So hopefully they can just finish finish second and have that advantage going into the tournament. 
Yeah. All righty. Next story we have is baseball. Baseball season is now in full swing. No pun intended. Um, but yeah, Home so ride. the team the team played uh, BYU. at BYU yesterday. Mm-hmm. They lost five to one. Um, and then another thing to point out is their scoring struggles. So I mean, they've played some really good teams. They went down to South Carolina a couple weeks ago. Um, a really good powerhouse down in the SEC, and. They had scoring struggles down there as well. They didn't lose those games badly. You know, their pitching did really well, but they just they, they couldn't score. And so do you think scoring struggles are going to be a theme this season, or what, what's it looking like for them? It's sure looking that way. I mean, you look at the statistics of the WAC right now um, in baseball, and UVU on the batting end of things doesn't have anybody in the top five, whether it's ERA, uh, RBIs, home runs, anything. And so... The thing about their team is they do play pretty good defense. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, um, they have good. They, I think they have a solid pitching staff. I think that they have people in positions where they make plays that keep them in the game. Um, they don't get down too early. But what eventually happens, and what we saw against South Carolina, um, which, of course, they're really good, is if you play a really good team, eventually your defense gets worn down to the point where once they start scoring, they just start scoring in bunches. Um, We've seen some games this year where um, other teams have scored on UVU in the double digits, and UVU hasn't been able to get more than three runs. Um, And so I think what they're going to need to really get going is if they want to be competitive whatsoever, they need to have some offense going and they just don't have it going right now. So hopefully they can figure that out. Yeah. And with it being early season, you can always pick it up. You can always get hot. You know, baseball is a sport where, you know, it takes, um, you know, it, it can really take anything, any, you know, whether it's a weird ritual or just repetitions, anybody can get hot. A team can get hot. So um, I think they'll pick it up. Um, I think they'll pick up the pitching staff as because as we noticed, you know, as we noted, the pitching staff has been, you know, they've been doing their job. Um, just the runs haven't come, and that's something that can happen. And they throw a lot of strikeouts too. Mm-hmm. Um, UVU's pitching staff is really um, successful at just striking out guys at the plate. And so if you can continue to build off of that and just get the offense going, then you can have, start to have a winning tradition going. But until you can get that offensive side of the ball going, I just I don't know what their plan is in terms of beating these these teams that seem to consistently beat them. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving on to our third point, we've got UVU women's basketball. They are tied for fourth in the conference right now. They've got a remaining schedule going on the road against GCU and then CSUB. Um, women's basketball, of course, as we discussed, started off really hot, got fairly cold, and now they're just kind of lukewarm. Um, one of the things to focus on with them is that they do win these next two games. They could secure that fourth spot going into the tournament, but if they lose these next two games or lose to CSUB, they'll drop to fifth or sixth. Um, Tanner, with the expectations of the season kind of starting to get pretty high, uh, what do you think the women's basketball team's out- outlook should be going into these last two games and trying to get their seeding selection in the tournament? Um, I mean, their their outlook should be, as we've noted all year, is that they've had really no expectations. Um, and so just go out and play the solid basketball that you've had. Because even in their losses this year, we've talked about how they've been in those games. I don't really think they've gotten blown out in conference play. 
Um, and so they've been in these games. And so just continue to do that these last two games of the season um, and prove people wrong and get, get the four seed and then see what you can do in the tournament. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that um, it's one of those things where they had no expectations going into the season. And then now you kind of have a chance to hopefully at least get to a second round game. I mean, they were able to get to the second round last year. I think they had an upset in the first round. And so um, if you can do that again and hopefully maybe even make it a little bit farther than that, just show some progression as a team. Um, They haven't been playing as well, but they haven't been playing poorly either. I mean, they're just kind of stuck in the middle right now. So hopefully they can pull ahead and uh, turn some heads when it comes to the WAC tournament this year. Alrighty, next story we have is wrestling. Wrestling season, um, it starts at the same time um, as basketball season, so they're almost coming to an end too. They're getting ready for their conference tournament, um, and if you, many of you don't know, UVU is in the Big 12 just for wrestling, um, and so we're going we're gonna to go off and note uh, some of the seating and the expectations for the Big 12 tournament. Alrighty, so one of the biggest things that I noticed um, from this report from our wrestling program is if you pull up some of the rankings of our guys, um, so all six of UVU's preceded wrestlers um, are ranked in the NCAA coaches panel. So you've got um, Romero and Finlay are both 10th, um, Bastion is 12th, uh, Tanner Orndorff is 15th, Tate is 20th and Sumner's 25th. Um, so you have a lot of actually fairly high ranked guys on our wrestling team going into the Big 12 tournament. Um, so if you look at the seating of the bracket for them going in, so you've got uh, Demetrius Romero, who's a junior. You've got Kimball Bastion, um, who's also a junior. They're both being preceded second in their weight class. And then Matt Finlay, um, Tanner Orndorff, and then Tate are all preceded fourth. And then Will Sumner is sixth. Six, yeah. So we all, we, I mean, they all have fairly high seating. Um, it'll just be interesting to see. The thing that, that makes wrestling so entertaining is um, all these guys have been basically preparing this whole year for this tournament mm-hmm. and then for the championships. Yep. So. Hopefully, um, I mean, knowing these guys, they're all prepared, they're all ready to go, and it'll just be interesting to see how the uh, Big 12 championships turn out. Yeah, so we'll, uh, let's see. So by the time our next show hits, um, you know, if we decide to do interview that show or not, um, if we don't, then we'll obviously update you guys on what happens this weekend um, with our wrestling guys. All righty, so we're going to move into our last story of the Big Five. Of course, this story got around really quickly. It was on House of Highlights. It was on Sports Center. It was on ESPN. Donovan Mitchell talked about it. Yeah. I mean, so Preston Burbage, a uh, member of our UVU lacrosse team. I mean, if you haven't seen the video, you just need to go look up UVU lacrosse video. Yeah. It It's one of the dirtiest plays I think I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Like, now, my question about it is, is like, I think with how culture is changing in sports, like, do you think it's disrespectful or you just think it's like bad? Like, do you just think it's cool? No, it's cool. Yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah. I think it's Especially cool. for lacrosse. Yeah. Like, like, just, like just being honest, like shout out to lacrosse. Cause it's the probably the only time we're ever going to talk about you guys unless something happens like this again. Um, but 
No, I, th- I thought it was really cool. Yeah, so he just waves him goodbye. You know, yeah. gets him out of the way, waves him goodbye. Well, and the, the best thing about the video is like it's compare. Like you could compare it to like, so like he does that. He waves him goodbye, and then he runs. He runs up and he scores. So the thing is, I don't think that video gets as big if he doesn't score. Oh, but he scores like right after. Oh yeah. Too. So that's the thing. So it's yeah. like so what I was going for is it's it's comparative to like if somebody like has a nasty crossover mm-hmm. in a basketball game, and then he doesn't score, it's like n- nobody cares because yeah. you didn't. So like nasty crossover, he scores, it's gonna get noticed. It's kind of like that uh, Donovan Mitchell crossover he had on. Oh, who are they playing? I think it was the Clippers. I can't remember who he crossed over though. But did you see it where he like? He goes in, it was about a week ago, he goes in and just completely leaves him behind. Oh, yeah. Like, just pulls back. And the thing that makes that video so cool is then he hits the three right in his yeah. face. So, um, yeah, shout-outs to Preston. That was mm-hmm. that was sweet. I uh, We're going to, yeah, yeah. We're going to try. So, uh, yeah, our, our producer, <laughs> Ethan, just asked us, so we're going we're gonna to get him on. We're going to get him on the show. Yeah. We'll get a hold of him. Yep. You know. Maybe we'll offer him a four for four when... <laughs> Wendy's four for four. Somehow. Okay, alrighty. Speaking of the four for four, now that was uh, that was talking the cross. Yeah, we're gonna move into the big four. Um, so, big story of the weekend, and we'll get in. Don't worry, Utah State fans. We'll get into how you won the regular season championship in the Mountain West Conference. But so they beat Nevada yeah. over the weekend. Um, you, you, Utah State fans stormed the court. Mm-hmm. And then guy on Nevada freaks out, punches. I, I, did he punch like a fire extinguisher so case? So apparently it was it was weird though because what happened was as he punched a fire extinguisher case. Mm-hmm. Thing is he didn't break all the glass. Don't know how it didn't break all the way. So I think he was just trying to kind of punch the wall and that just happened to be behind him. Okay. And the other thing was he didn't break his hand or anything. There was no blood on his hand, so he bruised his hand. I thought he so, I thought he hurt his hand pretty bad though. I thought he, he was just, out. He just bruised it. Oh, he just so, bruised it. Okay. Apparently he has a weak punch. Mm-hmm. Um, shouts out. Yeah. Shouts but, out to the wolf pack. <laughs> but it, no, what Andrew was alluding to. So, from what I understand from the situation that happened was. Um, it was Utah State's first win over a ranked team since 2007. They also, that clinched them the Mountain West Conference regular season championship. Mm-hmm. And so the fans stormed the court. I think those were all reasons to storm the court. Um, and the players were mad about it. They were mad because I think they lost their the game before this game too. So they're on a two-game losing streak or they've lost two out of three, something like that. Um, so they haven't been playing well. So they were frustrated by that too. Mm-hmm. And... Then another thing happened was the coaches got in an altercation with the cops saying that the students were touching their players. Well, you know what? No crap. If your players aren't off the floor by the time they're running on the floor, they're going to bump into them. It's not like any type of fight happened. Yeah. Um, but I just I, I think it's funny because Nevada's never been in this position before where the, you know they're ranked this high and then they get upset and a team rushes the court. So, I mean, I can kind of see that, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I think the problem that I have with court storming now is I just feel like for some reason people our age have this mentality that they sh- they get to be involved in the game more than they should be. Um, we see it like a few years ago with UVU and New Mexico State with the court fight that happened there yeah. where all of a sudden, which of course... I mean, to give the UVU fans some credit in that situation, that New Mexico State fan did throw the ball at a guy. So, so I'm not the fan, the player. Yeah. And so um, 
the problem that I have with this situation, at least from what I've heard from Nevada's point of view, is they were trying, from what I heard, they were trying to get off of the court. Yeah. And they weren't able to get off of the court because all of these fans were in the way. And apparently not only were they in the way, but they were saying things to the Nevada basketball Yeah, and players. I hear that's why they were more mad is mm-hmm. because these fans, you know, I don't think players really ever have a problem with getting bumped into and they're trying to get off the floor. You know, it happens. And it happens in football field, uh, field stormings as well. You know, they can't get off the field in time uh, or the court in time. Um, I think they're more mad about things that are said. And I saw another thing... Um, the so Nevada's head coach Eric Musselman, um, he came out saying he came out with a statement after they lost, and he was saying how you know everybody should take the attention off the player who you know punched the fire hydrant or not the fire hydrant, the fire extinguisher. And you don't want to punch a fire. No, hydrant. you don't want to do no. that. You're not gonna win that one. Um, but that he he said that you know that guy's like how that you know just heat of the moment, and then what happened was is he explained that. Uh, he was more upset that I guess his wife and his kids came to the game, the away game, and the player who punched the uh, extinguisher, um, they they were there were big signs made by the student sections making fun of him for having a child, um, and because apparently he left his baby mama as well. The students found that out. They made signs about it. They made fun of him the whole game. They chanted those things while he was at the free throw line. So I think that factored into him being upset after the game too. Um, and I think, you know, personal things like that should maybe get left uh, behind a little bit. Because, you know, I think it's it's not fair to point those type of personal things out all the time. Now, it's one thing if some, you know, like a funny incident happens in the news and you point out about a player or something like yeah. that. But when it's something personal... That's going to upset him as long as the rest, as well as the rest of the team as well. Well, not only that, but that's in regards to his family too. Exactly, and I, I th- that's I think the main problem that I have with this is, yeah. from what I've seen from Twitter, and obviously Twitter isn't reality, but I guess it reflects part of what's going on. And ma- mostly, what I've seen from Utah State fans is this defensiveness of like, well, it's a game, and we can say whatever we want. And the problem is is like you have to realize that if you say things like that like that's going to piss people like, off. Could you imagine like when these guys storm the court like he could have punched someone in the face if he really wanted to. Like he yeah. could have picked someone out that had one of those signs and then and then that's a problem. Yeah. So it's like you can't do things like that and then storm the court because that's going to just piss them off even more. Mm-hmm. So I don't I'm for court storming if it's for the right reasons. Yeah. You know, you beat a ranked opponent. It's the first time in a long time. Or in, in that same game, you know, you clinch some type of uh, championship or something like that. Th- that's okay because that's always been the point of it. Nowadays, it happens a, a lot and too much. And sometimes it can it can result in bad things like you mentioned with the, with the UVU situation a couple years ago. Well, and the other thing that was mentioned by people from Nevada, at least on Twitter, is that it was rumored, I guess it wasn't confirmed, but it was rumored that racial statements were made. Yeah. And the thing, the problem that I have is it's, you know, because of course everyone from Utah State's denying it. We didn't say anything. We didn't say anything. Yeah. But now you've had not only him, but then you've had people in the NBA who say when they come and play in Salt Lake that there's always issues with jazz fans saying things that they shouldn't say mm-hmm. that are inappropriate. And the problem becomes is when you start receiving multiple reports, then it's not just a rumor at that point. Then that, that just becomes that just becomes kind of 
you know, the standard that you're setting for people who come play basketball here is apparently the fans are all just way over the top. And so what I would say, because I definitely have a respect for Utah State's fan section. Um, I mean, I think I really do think they have one of the best student sections in the nation. Mm-hmm. It helps that they live in Logan, so I don't really think they have anywhere else to go. So it's like, well, we can go to the basketball game. But I think the problem becomes is then people go to the basketball games and they think, I'm in a setting where I can say whatever I want, I can do whatever I want. And they don't realize that, like, this actually has an effect on the people that are actually playing the game. And so I don't have a problem with court storming, but I do have a problem with fans taking things over the top. And I think that in this situation, to make comments about his family and potentially something racially involved, that's when I think you need to start looking into that. Um, for Utah State as an organization and say maybe we need to calm things down a little bit. Yeah, so our, our, so we kind of got off on a little bit of a, of a tangent there, but um, yeah, our, our message with that is just chill out, Utah sports fans. Just like don't, just, you know, I mean, I mean, realize that, yes, like you can go to a, a sporting event and have fun and maybe say some things that, you know, or, you know, or, you know, poking fun, right? There's a difference between poking fun and than, you know, being intentionally malicious. Yep. And I, from what it sounds like, it sounds like the fans were being over the top, yep. from, from what I understand. Because people don't react that way unless something big happened. Yeah. All righty. So off that, we just, we just want to, you know, mention that and that how that's become a bit a of a story. Problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, so our second point is, we already alluded to it, is Utah State basketball and them winning the Mountain West Conference regular season championship. Yeah. Um, so congrats to them. Um, their Utah State basketball is back. And um, with that now, they're, they're probably going to be a lock for the NCAA tournament because they've been a bubble team for the last number of weeks. And with that, you know, even if they don't win the conference tournament, I still think they're going to get in now. I think they still at least need to make it minimum semifinals, yeah. and then you're going to want to at least make it to the championship game. Yeah. Um, my main message, um, and I'm, I'm going to try not to go over the top here, but my main message to Utah State fans is, like, I'm glad that you're happy, but also, like, slow your roll a little bit. Like, the only thing I've seen on Twitter is, oh, my gosh, we're Mountain West champions. And it's like, no, you're not. You haven't played in your tournament yet. Yeah. You have to win your tournament to be the champion of the conference. That's yeah. just how that works. It's like it's like everybody, like, the other day when Kansas lost and their their 14-year run of winning the regular season championship ended. It's like, well, who cares? You can't. You can't. That means, that, like, I don't, and I don't think they, I think they've won less than half of the conference tournaments they've played in while winning those 14 yeah um i'm pretty confident in that i don't know exactly we don't have stats and info apartment here well well, and that's the other thing is like um with duke basketball i don't keep track of acc champions no i keep track of ncaa championships Mm -hmm. and i understand that it's different for utah state because like they're obviously not going to be in talks or in the running of winning the ncaa tournament but i do understand that it's a big deal for them to win their conference but you haven't won your conference yet. Like, so, and not only that, but I almost, I mean, I, I am fairly confident that when they go and play Nevada, because they play in Las Vegas, yeah. you, so you're basically going to be, uh, 
it's going to be a road game. Your yeah. tournament game, if you play Nevada in the championship, is going to be a road game, and they are going to be pissed. Yeah. And they are probably going to come out, and I think they're going to. Th- I think there's a good chance that Utah no, State's going to get No, if they play again, I think I think Nevada wins by double digits. Yeah. Um. But another thing I, I I've started to realize is is winning your winning your regular season uh, conference title is really just like winning a seed. Mm-hmm. It's like you won the number one seed. Yeah. So. And I mean, it's still things to be proud of, especially for you know mid majors or smaller and schools. And it's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it is a big deal. Yeah, we're not, we're not discrediting that, but it should. I'm just you saying, should slow have, your role. Yeah, a little you bit. should have the goal of wanting to win your conference tournament, mm-hmm. and guaranteeing your spot. You know, you win that, you guarantee your spot. Yeah. Well, and the, so the and the, the other thing that caused a little bit of uproar on Twitter, and you were talking about this tweet earlier, was um, Patrick Kinahan. Thanks, PK Kinahan, said. Is it time to recognize Utah State as having the best combined football and basketball programs in the state? Um, I really liked a response to him, which said USU has one NCAA tournament win in the last 48 years. So, no, you don't. Well, and especially because, like, you're saying that after two consecutive successful football seasons mm-hmm. and a successful basketball season. Yeah. Like, they've been, like, they've had talent the last couple years in basketball, and they haven't been good. Yeah. Um, especially in state talent, they've gotten quite a bit. Um, and they're finally good, and so like, and the season's not even over yet, and we hear something like that. It's like, just chill out, man. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I guess the other point that they can make is, well, we won our bowl game, and Utah didn't, yeah. and Utah's not winning the Pac-12 in basketball this year, and the and different, it's like, yeah, and it's like BYU for the first time in years didn't beat Gonzaga at least once, so yeah. you know that means it's like, so, but to say you're the best combined programs. Like, do I think that they have the best basketball program right now? Debatedly. However, you lost to BYU. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you're not, like, yeah. spectacular if you lost to BYU. On a down year. It's on like, a down year. So, I don't know. It's just one of those things where, like, Utah State fans make it so hard for you to be happy for them. I think that's the problem. Yeah. Is, like, I want to be happy for and, Utah State. Well, and we've mentioned before that like we were we were really happy about the fact that they got disrespected. Well, no, we weren't we weren't happy they got disrespected yeah. about a bowl game, but we were happy that they responded really well mm-hmm. and dominated their bowl game because they were disrespected. And then we hear like, oh my gosh, they're the best football program in the state of Utah. It's like w- over the last two years, yeah, but what about the last ten years? Well, not only that, but I I truly do think last year Utah had a better football team than Utah State did. I really do think they did, and they won. Um, they won their their half of the conference, right? They won the South. Yep. Utah State didn't even win their conference. They didn't even go and play in the conference championship yep. game. So, I don't know. It's just it makes it tough because I I want. It's like I think we've compared it to Utah State's always going to be the little brother, and so maybe they just they have to have that that level of excitement and pride about their program. But I still just think it's kind of getting old. Anyways, moving on to our third point. Utah football extended Kyle Whittingham through 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't released the details of the contract, i.e. money. But, um, Tanner, what are your thoughts on Utah extending the best coach in the state to 2023? Um, well, it's important to uh, have locked him up until then um, because he's definitely a coach who, you know, could go and coach another Pac-12 team, be successful. Um I've always I've always been curious is like if Utah ever goes down like kind of downhill for multiple years which doesn't really ever happen 
Um, I, I've always been intrigued by the fact is like, what if he just went back to his alma mater and just just to like spite them and the fact that that, that would just be a funny story. But it's a, it's a good thing that they retained him until then because he's proven that he he gets to bowl games every year, and that's the yeah. most important aspect. Um, first and foremost, he'll never go back to his alma mater. Um, just he just won't. And uh, but I. Uh, I don't know. I like. I think that's the interesting thing about Whittingham is you look at him. He's the longest tenured coach in the Pac-12. I think he's one of the longest tenured coaches in the NCAA. Um, has one of the best bowl records of all time. Um, and but it's like you said though. Like the reason that is is they they never consistently down. Now they're never like consistently Pac-12 champs, yeah. but they're consistently second in their part of the conference and third overall. And so. I'm excited. I think that he. I think he's a great coach. I think he's also a very likable person. I think that helps his case um, in keeping his job. There always seems to be a mid-season call from Utah football fans on Twitter to fire Kyle Whittingham, and those people are idiots because he's the best college football coach in the state. I think he's the best college football coach in the Pac-12, and I think he's probably a top 10 college football coach in the nation. So it's good that Utah picked him up for that much longer. We'll yeah. Help them out. All righty. Our last story of our big four is going to be a quick BYU basketball end of season review because the West Coast Conference in which they play does their conference tournament a week before all the other conference tournaments start. So they start, I think the play in game is tomorrow on Thursday night, Thursday or Friday. So BYU will play, I think, Saturday. And Andrew, what are your, what are your thoughts on their season? BYU's had an interesting year. Um, they had a mediocre preseason mm-hmm. before conference play. They've played well in their conference besides San Francisco and Gonzaga. And so they have, they're going to have the third seed going into the tournament behind St. Mary's. Um, I guess my question for you, Tanner, is if they make it to their conference championship game and get thrashed by Gonzaga, which they usually have, mm-hmm. Do they deserve to get a bid into the tournament? No, because before the show we looked at their preseason, um, their their preseason games, or their sorry their pre conference games, and uh, they they lost to quite a few good teams. You know they lost to Nevada, they lost to Houston, they lost to San Diego State, to UNLV, Mississippi, uh, Mississippi State. Um, I think. Half those teams are going to be in the NCAA tournament, especially Nevada and Houston, who are going to get good seeds. Um, but I don't think they deserve a bid just because they didn't they didn't win those big games. And um, when you know when they played Gonzaga this year for the first time, I think since their first year in the conference, they got blown out in both games. Um, and so I, I definitely think they're going to get an NIT bid, um, which is kind of their their been their thing for the last number of years. Um, but nonetheless, you know, after that, after pre-conference play, it was like, dang, like they might have a losing record this year. Um, they didn't look very good and they, they picked it up in conference play. So overall, um, it was a down year, but, uh, I, I think they should still be happy with how they played in conference and pick themselves up. Yeah. And I think, I agree. I think that they, they have played to a level that I think was expected of them. I don't think that they've played below expectations. I don't think they've played above expectations. Um, what's kind of sad in their situation is besides 
I mean, and we even saw that San Francisco's gone down a little bit this year. St. Mary's isn't having a great year. The only team in the conference that's having a really good year is Gonzaga. It would have really, really helped BYU this year if they didn't lose to San Francisco twice yeah. and if they could have they could have beaten St. Mary's both times. Yeah. At least if they get one win against San Francisco. Yeah. Because the thing is, is if you can appear to be the clear second best team in your conference, clearly the second best. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is they're not clearly the second best because they're now competing with San Francisco and St. Mary's to see who's kind of, you know, who's second, third, and fourth best. Yeah. And BYU, to be honest, could potentially be third or fourth best in a conference that regularly only gets one bid to the tournament. One to two, yeah. Um, It'd be really nice for them if they could make it to their conference championship and win, but nobody's beating Gonzaga in that conference. So, um, I mean, they've they've had a, like I said, I think they've met expectations. Um, I think that... What what's disappointing about it is though is St. Mary's wasn't nearly as good this year as they they have been, yeah. and I think that would have been BYU's opportunity to clearly be the second best, yeah. and I just don't think they took advantage of it. Yeah. All righty, so we're gonna move in to our final stretch. Of course, we're gonna be going over bracketology again with college basketball. Um, looking up at the bracket that we have now. So we're looking at uh, ESPN's bracketology. Okay. So all the first seeds, Virginia, Gonzaga, Kentucky, Duke. Mm-hmm. My main question starting off for that is with how Duke has been playing lately, um, if they potentially are missing out on Zion Williamson in any part of the tournament, how far do they get? Um, I mean, that's tough because... If you've watched their last or last number of games without him, mm-hmm. um, they they came back to beat Syracuse, and then they lost to Virginia Tech. They lost another one, and then they uh, barely beat Wake Forest yesterday. So, I mean, he's a big he makes a big difference, and it's already projected that he isn't going to play against. Uh, North Carolina this weekend. So, I mean, if he's already missing these big games, it's kind of evident that he might just actually sit out. And if he does that, I mean, they're still going to get a one seed most likely, one or one or two. And, I mean, right now it has them projected to, you know, play in the second if, – if they win their first game, they're projected to play either like a VCU or a Florida-type team. And, I mean, even that could present problems for them in a, in, in a matchup because – I mean, without him, it's crazy that they have, you know, all these other top recruits. But just the fact, the way that he plays defense, the way that he plays, he impacts the rest of the team. And the other part of it, too, is the fact that when you get that many top recruits and you know that they're going to start as freshmen, that makes it really, really hard to recruit a solid secondary. Mm -hmm. Because you have guys who say, well, why would I go and sit on the bench at Duke? when I could go start as a freshman somewhere else or anywhere else. And so they have really not looked good. Um, In the last, since they've lost him, they have not looked good. I could potentially see them dropping to a two seed if they lose pretty early in the ACC and North Carolina wins. I think North Carolina could pick up that first seed and they could drop to a two. Mm -hmm. Um, 
if Zion Williamson doesn't play, I'm I would just say anybody to filling out their bracket, and I put Duke to win every year. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't put them to go maybe even potentially farther than Elite Eight. Yeah. I just they they just are not nearly as dominant or as strong without him on the court. Yeah, and then uh, another thing we'll just we'll hit on here is it's always fun to look at potential upsets. Um, so a- Andrew, looking at the bracket right now, who could you see as a potential upset? Let's look at let's look at four and thirteen, um, three and fourteens, and five and twelves. Those are those are usually the, the the biggest upsets. Okay, let's take a look here. Um, honestly, I like this one here. I like I like. Lipscomb over Kansas in that region, hmm. if that happens, yeah. because Lipscomb has been one of the best shooting teams in the NCAA this year, and Kansas, Kansas, Kansas is has kind of dropped the ball lately, um, especially in the Big Twelve. I mean, I mean, it's the first year they haven't won, like we mentioned earlier, they haven't won the regular season uh, conference title. And the Big 12 also consistently will let you down in your bracket. Yeah. So I mean, that's not a bad matchup to pick at all. Um, let's look at another one. New Mexico State over Kansas State. New Mexico State has been... New, Me- New Mexico State could beat Kansas State. Um, they That's are, a 5-12. They're deep, and not only are they deep, but they just have a lot of exper- veteran experience on that team. They've got a lot of seniors. I could definitely see them pulling that off as well. Um, it looks like they have Utah State up against Cincy in the first round, and 7-10. Ten, yeah, 7-10 matchup. I think Utah State loses that game against Cincinnati. Um and I always, like I said, I always have to choose a five twelve. I think some of them have switched up since the last time we yeah, chose. They have. But I think I chose. Um, I think I said Montana was going to beat Michigan just because I thought that would be fun. Oh, in the two fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other question I have for you because we were talking about this earlier before we started to record. So you said that the teams that you have a lot of confidence in are Virginia and then Gonzaga. Yeah. Why do you feel so confidently in those picks? Um, because the main thing to point out is people are like, well, Virginia sucks in the tournament every year. And yeah, they do. But I think this year is different. And honestly, I've been a non-believer in Virginia and I'll go on record saying that I've always hated Virginia, but this year I will be a Virginia fan in the tournament. Wow. Okay. Because here's the thing. They lost to a 16 seed last year. They also didn't have their best player in that game, DeAndre Hunter, who is going to be a first-round draft pick. And they also shot their worst percentage of the year in that game. If you guys, if anybody out there listens that watched that game the other day when they played Syracuse, they went 18 for 25 from the three-point line, which is a record. Yeah. And if they shoot half of that and have a poor game, they're going to win because they, ha- they play defense. And this is the first year that they're able to play defense and actually score the ball. Um, and just looking here on the bracket, you know, potential matchups they, they would have, I don't see them having a lot of trouble in that region. Um, no, I, I think that Michigan State's always overrated and they're the two seed. And they have injury problems going into the tournament. Um, LSU hasn't been very impressive. I, I, I think Buffalo, I mean, all the higher seeds really i i i wouldn't worry too much about virginia that, that's a region they could easily I think get virginia to the could easily win however they do have that that giant shadow weighing over them going into that 116 matchup yep. because they are the only team that has ever lost and then and then going off gonzaga i think they've just been the best team in the country all year um they beat duke early on when nobody thought duke was going to lose a game this year um they breezed through their conference 
and I just feel that watching them play, they they look better and more. I don't know, more sound as a team and being able to not only shoot, um, but they're rebounding well. They're playing defense. They're putting up points, which I think are all better aspects this year than that year that they lost to North Carolina in the national championship. I agree, and I think that Gonzaga, when I've watched them play a lot in the West Coast Conference this year, it's seriously been men versus boys out there. Um, they, The thing about Gonzaga is they seriously have five guys in their starting lineup that, like when I watched them play against BYU, every single guy at their position was better than pe- the person they were playing against on BYU. Yeah. They, have, they have guys who can score from all over the court, um, they have big guys who can handle the ball. I mean, they just have a lot of very multi-talented, exceptional players. And I think Gonzaga is a very solid pick this year as well. If I had to choose the likelihood of either Virginia or Gonzaga getting upset, I'd have to choose Gonzaga just based on the fact that Virginia plays in the ACC and they play top-tier talent, yeah. and Gonzaga doesn't play anybody for the second half of the year. Yeah. And that's the doubt that people always have with Gonzaga is because you go into this tournament where all of a sudden you are playing the top-tier talent from the rest of the nation, and you you have to transition from playing in the West Coast Conference against you know teams that you know aren't bad, but they definitely aren't on the same level as these other teams um, that you're going to be up against. So, but I, I think, I, I do think that both of them are going to play well. I could definitely see both of them having the potential to make it to at least Elite Eight. Yeah. Um, but knowing the NCAA tournament, one of those teams will get upset within the first three rounds. So if I had to choose one team to do it, I think it would be Gonzaga. Yeah. And. Yeah, that's just that's just my take. Um, it's probably not going to be right, but we'll keep an eye on it. You never know. Yeah, I, I I truly do think though that if Zion Williamson is even partially hurt, a he shouldn't play. Yeah. Um, and b if he if he doesn't play, then Duke I think is I wouldn't I wouldn't put them going too far yeah. in your in your bracket. Alrighty, our last segment of the show will be overtime. As you if you're if you're new to the if you're new to the program, overtime segment is where I pick a random sports story. Andrew has no idea what it is, and I read it and explain it to him. So the story I have today, it is from uh, mirror.co.uk, so it has to do with European sports. And the title of the article is Chess Boxing, Toe Wrestling, and Eight Other Sports You Need to Know About. Nice. I'm not. I'm, I'm All right. So I'm just this. gonna. I'm just gonna read. I'm just gonna read just the names of these. Okay. If they're if they're kind of like if you if you get the feel that you don't know what that sport is, I'll quickly read Let's it. Let's both choose which the, one we think we'd be best at by the end. By the okay. okay. So this first one is underwater hockey. Um, you can kind of you can kind of get a feel for what that one is. This next one's called bosa ball. Um, it's basically uh, a trampoline volleyball with a Spanish party atmosphere. And there's a DJ playing a dance set during the event. Okay. Um, it was invented in Spain in 2004. Okay. All right. Next, we have chess boxing. This one seems like the coolest one. So it's a combination of brains and brawn. Chess boxing is fought over 11 rounds, alternating between three minutes of boxing and three minutes of speed chess. This first ever took place in Berlin in 2003. Of course, it's a German sport. So uh, how you can win this one? 
is a boxer slash chess player can be victorious by either knockout or checkmate where your ego is either shattered physically or mentally. That's what it says. <laughs> wow. Um, the chess tables right there. All right. All right. And this next one is called... Con and Hop. Con and Hop. Nice. So this one is... Oh, wow. So horses have... It says horses have an undeniable elegance when it comes to equestrian events with choreographed dances of the dressage to the obstacle leaps of show jumping. So going further, now imagine this... These same events, but with a rabbit. So cane and hop, or simply rabbit jumping, was invented in Sweden in the 1970s. This sport sees rabbits get put through their paces in a series of events covering a variety of distances and obstacle heights. It's a good Easter sport. It's a good sport for this time of year. Good sport. This next one I've heard of, it's shin kicking. Oh. So shin kicking was invented back in the 1600s as a way to protest the increasing popularity a Puritanism, <laughs> a, a, a Protestant belief during Elizabeth in England. At least there's some history But the sport has since evolved, providing less violence and more comedy. How you win is you kick your opponent in the shin with the person causing their opponent to fall over, then being then, being them the victor. So first one to fall yeah, down. Yeah, but did you see how they softened it at the end, though? Did you see it go back up? To help prevent bloody and bruised shins, participants are allowed to stuff hay down their trousers to help soften the blow. I mean, that would that's no longer hurt. a sport. No, you got to do it. Kick them right in the shin as hard as you can. I'm yeah. I, I don't like the hay stuffing. I'm anti hay stuffing on that sport. All right. So now we're this is an anti shin kicking podcast. Yeah, I don't like that. The next one I've heard of as well is called wife carrying. Tanner can participate. I cannot. So it was created in Finland. Wife carrying has developed into a rather serious sport. Male contestants must race 253 meters, the length of almost three football pitches, with their wives strapped to their backs. Um, It was created as a joke, but has now expanded. And competitions are specifically for... And and now you can enter into competitions specifically for same-sex marriages. Oh, hmm, that's cool. Okay. All right. They're progressive as well. This next one, never heard of. Extreme ironing. Um, an idea to create an extreme version of the house chore was uh, initiated in uh, Leicester in 1997, combining the thrill of a location with the dullness of the act. Oh, wow. They do it like... Yeah. Wow. They like rock climb and then... Yeah. I, wow. That's cool. That's pretty nuts. Yeah. Ethan wants to see it. So basically, to give you an idea of what we're showing, Ethan, is there's a man hanging upside down from a rock climbing wall ironing. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, this next one is toe wrestling. I don't do feet. Yeah, this one would be tough. Um, Let's skip toe so wrestling. So it originally... I'll read a quick toe bit Toe wrestling's it. gross. Uh, <laughs> the first game always starts with the right foot, followed by the left foot, and then the right foot again if there is a tie. I just want to inform people at home that if your date wants to toe wrestle, that's when it's time to leave. How do you win? Originating in... No one wins in toe wrestling. Everyone's a loser. Originating in Staffordshire, toe wrestling's top stars include current world champion... Ooh, he has a a good name. His name is Alan Nasty Nash. (laughs) And then I think this is the... Oh, wait, there's two more. Okay. This next one is the Sauna World Championships. Uh... The oh, sa- I've watched videos of this, actually. The Sauna World Championships were an annual endurance event played in Finland from 1999 to 2010. Um, it starts with six men and women, and they sit in specific positions of the sauna with a starting temperature of 110 degrees. The aim is to simply remain in the sauna for as long as possible. 
The last person standing is victorious. Every 30 seconds, half a pint of water is poured onto the stove, meaning the temperature would continue to increase. Oh, wow. So the heat provided, the heat, or the heat proved too much in 2010, so this is why it ended in 2010, when former finalist Vladimir Ladzensky, I think I got it right. I think you got it. Passed out, suffering terrible burns and trauma. Ladzinski was dragged out of the sauna, and, but died despite resuscitation. The championships were unsurprisingly dropped. Put his life on the line for sauna championships. Uh, all right, this last one I've heard of as well. It's cheese rolling. So initially, just a huge event in the city of... Gloucester? Yeah. Uh, the Cooper's Hill cheese rolling has become a worldwide attended spectacle. From the top of a steep hill, a nine-pound round double, however you say that last city, cheese, is sent plummeting with competitors battling it out to be the first to the bottom, letting the cheese be their guide. So you have to catch the rolling cheese. Okay. Dang, it can reach a speed of 70 miles per hour. Could you imagine getting hit with a thing of cheese going 70 miles an hour? Imagine getting shin, hitting the shin by a rolling cheese at 70 miles an hour. Um, okay, so that's all eight sports that you probably didn't know about. Okay, so which one do you think you'd be best in? I think, honestly, I would be best at the shin kicking. I think that I... But you can't be because we're an anti-shin kicking Well, podcast. I'm saying traditional shin okay. kicking in which hay is not allowed because that just ruins the integrity of the game. All right? So... I, I really do think that, like, I could put up with the pain and, like, keep kicking somebody else in the shin. I think I would be good at that. Because not only that, but, like, the way my personality is, is, like, if somebody kicked me in the shin, like, it would hurt, but, like, I'd be more focused on the fact that I was mad that they kicked me in the shin, so then I would respond in anger and kick them back in the shin. I would say chess boxing, but I don't know how to play chess. Uh, yeah, I was going to say chess boxing, too. Um, but I would have to win in the fighting aspect because I don't know how to play chess. <laughs> so I'll go with... You're going to go toe wrestling? Mm, mm, yummy. No. I th- mm, I'm going to go with cheese rolling. You could do cheese rolling? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could see you being good at cheese rolling, actually. I would do the sauna one, except I don't want to die. Yeah, I, I think that's why I wouldn't do that one either. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to go with uh, shin kicking. Alrighty, well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, well leave it there. We'll let Andrew yeah. send us off. Awesome. I liked that overtime segment. All good sports. Um, always, thank you for listening to our podcast. This has been the UV Review Quick Fire Pod. Um, if you have any questions or if you want to challenge me to a shin kicking competition, you can send me an email at andrewcareer at gmail.com. Um, no hay is allowed. Um, other than that, uh, I had fun today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to us. Thanks. Love you guys.